Welcome to Consider Yourself Hugged. I'm Tammy. I'm Michelle. I'm Gracie. And a hug is a gesture intended to convey a sense of care and support, safety, intimacy, and affection. And even though we can't wrap our arms around you, we want you to consider yourself hugged. Hi, ladies. Here we are again. Everybody doing well? Yep. Yes. Yep. Shelly, I'm about to, to introduce you quickly. Um, I'll read your bio, tell everybody how we know you. Um, but I do want to tell you that you have the honor of being the first um, Consider Yourself Hugged, the new edition with three hosts. You're our first guest, actual guest. Because we just started in end of May, right? Was our first mental we health awareness month, right? Yeah. Yeah. We wanted to make sure we got at least our first one in on mental health awareness month. And then we we wanted to record a few just with us. And so you're our first actual guest. How so exciting. Thank you. So let me tell everybody about so Shelly and I met. I spoke last month at Inaxel. Are you impressed that I know how to say that now? Which is <laughs> get this, the international. Association for Clinical Simulation and Nursing. Yes. Wait, is that right? I, I believe so. Something like that. Okay. Yes. Um, which was an amazing, it's it's nurses who are basically in faculty and research um, studying and, and moving forward simulations that nurses used to learn. So Shelly and I met there, we got to chatting and we only chatted for maybe 10 minutes at most. And we knew immediately that we had to keep connecting. So I'm going to read her very short bio. And of course, as always, all of her information will be in the show notes. And then we're just going to chat with her. Um, so Shelly is a congenital amputee and has spent decades, the last 15 years, I don't know, you don't look old enough to have spent decades doing anything, speaking to politic politicians, disability organizations, corporations, and film producers on ways to provide and improve upon inclusivity within society. Through her leadership, she designs teaching simulations and presentations to identify gaps in services and best practices. As the founder of Inclusive Consulting, link will be in the show notes, she connects with others, curates learning, and celebrates diversity. I think that your bio gives us just enough to go, what? You mm -hmm. know, like, yeah. what does this mean? Um, yeah. And you chose to title our time together today, Mental Health and the Importance of Language. So welcome. Thank you. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your story. So thank you so much, everybody, um, Gracie and Michelle and Tammy for having me, first of all. So proud and honored to be the first one. So yes. um, to kind of flesh out and explain that quickly, technically, I am a congenital hemipelvectomy amputee. People Can don't know what that, that means. Say right. that one more time. <laughs> Most doctors don't even know what that is. I'm one in 8 million from what I'm told from my physician team. Um, basically I was born without my right hip and my right leg of any bone structure whatsoever, naturally. Um, I have scoliosis and lordosis in my lower L4, L5 off my tailbone. And I have a focamelia, which is kind of like a lucky fin, which should have been, uh, my other leg. So if you think of Nemo, wow. I have like this much of what should have, it's like a little flipper foot. So that's what makes me, and it, it has its full, skeletal structure and it moves independently like your toes move in your shoe so that's what makes me so so I have my own lucky fin so do you, do you feel that do I you can feel... move it as independently as you can move your fingers in a glove 
or, you know, your shoes and a toe, you know, and your your toes and your shoe. Um, so they kept it thinking with technology and the way it's moved on that I'd be able to use it with microprocessor prosthetics. So that has not happened yet. So, um, but yes, I have full independent movement and I can move it as freely as anything else on my body. So that's what makes me super unique. Hey, I want to ask you this too, because I didn't, um, can you send like I have all of your information to put in the show notes for people to to contact you, but can you send us any links or images or anything that, because I think people are going to be interested in sure. what, the, yeah. So Just, I can send a picture of what my prosthetic socket looks like and some, and there's not a ton of information of my kind of amputation, especially since it's congenital, but I have been through two medical studies through Suzanne Schmelzer and through Dr. Linda Law Belial uh, out of UMass as part of women with pregnancies like mine. Um, I've had three children like this, um, which has been a medical case study at least twice in my life. So that's been very interesting. So I can I can forward those to you guys and you can share them. That's part of what I do because I think that's really super important. Um, I have a bachelor degree. Yeah, I have a bachelor degree in film and television, which is why I talk to film industry folks. And um, now I have a master's degree in human services, which is why I talk to other politicians and disability organizations. So it all kind of comes together. Uh, medical simulation. Sorry, hmm? did you get your master's in order to move forward like that in your in your business in your career? As a Sorry, person with, <laughs> no, as a person with a disability, I just wanted to do more, I guess I wanted to do more advocacy work and I wanted to be able to empower and educate more people with disabilities. When they acquire their disabilities, they're not taught what the ADA is. They're not, mm. they're not educated as to how to move forward with a, a job interview. And they think they have to explain their new amputation to the interviewer and the interviewer doesn't know any better either. And then it goes horribly wrong. Wow. These are things that people with, I mean, Gracie's shaking her head. She may have yeah. seen because of, you know, your counseling work, but someone like me, and I don't know about Michelle, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think of those things because yeah. it's not my world. You Gracie, know, do you, do you have this um, experience? Well, so I used to work in drug rehab Mm -hmm. which is not even close, but it falls under ADA. Yeah. And yeah. I was just, and then you get HIPAA involved and, you know, all this other stuff and people have, people have no clue. I mean, I've talked to yeah. so many folks in HR that just don't know. I mean, yep. they know how it works with the people they worked with before, mm -hmm. but this new person comes on and because the information is not out there, this is not something that's, that's talked about. It's not because it's, you know, you have normal and then you have other. And so we have a tendency to focus on the normal until we have to focus on something else. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So just even stuff with somebody who had an addiction diagnosis, mm -hmm. like you don't know, you don't have to go back and tell your boss all this, this stuff. Right. But yeah, people, people don't know. There's just no training, no experience around it. Right. And that's part of what I try to do with companies and tell both sides it's okay. And here's how you talk to each other. Here's how you get right. up to speed to be a better interviewer. And here's what your rights are as a candidate. You mm -hmm. know, and I see a lot of that conversation. 
right? Well, and that to me that makes sense when you you wanted to talk about the importance of of language. Yeah. Um, you now can we go back for just a minute because I thought I heard you say something and then I wasn't. Did you say you have three children who have the same? No, they're all healthy. What did you say you had three children with this? You meant with my meant, disability. Okay, all right. Yeah. Because my prosthetic, my prosthetic socket is carbon fiber titanium, which is as hard as your desk, right? And it's, it's casted around my waist and I sit in it. So you take a Barbie doll, sorry, Barbie, and you rip her leg off. So you just have that butt cheek. So give you a visual, right? So that's, that's what I look like. (laughs) So that's what I look like in a nutshell. So you take a a socket and you, she sits in it, you sit in on one side and then the socket goes around and buckles around your waist. But now you take a pregnancy and yeah, Grace is like, yeah. And you take a pregnancy and you get big in the middle. So we have three very healthy boys. Wow. Now what I, yeah, no, go ahead. I had, I had no help. There was no conversation. I was sent home by one of the best mainline hospitals in the region um, with no post-pregnancy help. And I learned everything myself three times. My parents. Yeah. So there was no language there. There Did you know that you would, was there any question that you would be able to have children? Um, So I don't know how all that impacts like delivery. It seems. So I had C-sections. Okay. um, Because we weren't sure. We weren't sure. Because you're one in 8 million. Right. So everything was a, yeah, everything was a trial by error, baptism by fire. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it seems like all of this led up to, you know, one of the things I know you advocate for is standing up for yourself, you know, and tell us a little bit about that. Because people, you are wonderful listeners, you know, you tune in to us every week and we talk about mental well-being and emotional well-being and standing up for yourself is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I know that's something you talk about. So when I met you at Anasco, we talked, you talked about bullies and that's what drew me to your story in mental health. And I came up to you and I told you my pregnancy story at 28 with our first son and who's now 20, almost 25. And I was 28 at the time, a summer day. I was six months pregnant on crutches and it took us a year to conceive him. So it was something that we really, my husband and I really gave a lot of thought to. And I was going into a Joanne Fabrics and um, I heard behind me, what's wrong? And I proceeded to go into the store and I got to the door. He left the door shut in my face and I proceeded to go in and he's like, Hey lady, what's wrong with you? And I turned around and I said, nothing is everything like what's wrong. And he pointed to my stomach, my beautiful six month belly that I, yeah, Grace is looking at me. And I said, nothing. Why? What's wrong? And he pointed, he goes that. And I knew where the conversation was going to go. And I said, okay, what's wrong with that? And he said, a lot. He's like, who would get you pregnant? What kind of mother are you going to be? How are you going to take care of that child? And this old crusty white guy proceeded to think that he had every right. And this was in 1997. I had John early in 98. 
he proceeded to think that this was appropriate language. And he went on and on and on. And I stood there and I took a breath. Now, I was raised a Christian and my mother in the 70s and 80s before the ADA came out Mm -hmm. was turn the other cheek, be a good girl. It'll be over soon enough. Just answer their questions because you went to Shriners my whole life. Do you you mean like, because this kind of thing, whether it was that harsh or I don't know, but this had been happening to you. It was very common, very common language. It'll be over soon enough. Just answer their questions and it'll be over soon enough. So it was very common language in our community. And it can still be common language to some degree, maybe not this harsh. So I finally stood up and I thought, you know what, this has to stop for several reasons. He has to stop because he needs to know this this isn't acceptable in this day and age. I need to stop this language because I need to stop accepting it. And I need to stop because I don't want this child in me that I have worked so hard to obtain Mm -hmm. thinking that this is how you talk to mommy, this is how you talk to a woman, and this is how you talk to somebody with a disability. I didn't want to raise another generation thinking that this was okay. I, in the most unladylike, unforgivable way. Whatever that means, unladylike. I don't know. (laughs) I let off on him. At 28 years old, I found my voice. I let my language go, finally. And I told him, my husband and I of two years conceived this child. I'm going to raise this child. I'm going to love this child. I'm going to rock this child, take him to the park, take him to story time and all these things I'm going to do because I wanted this child. Wow. That was, that was a defining moment, right? It was. And from that moment on, I learned the importance of my language. You know, when you said about not wanting to continue that language with, you said with not that's not how you talk to mommy that's not how you talk to a woman and that's not how you talk to a person with a disability that's like huge you know and a lot of times when I talk about bullying it's sometimes we don't we may see that but I I remember and it still happens going out and seeing parents with children and the child might make fun of someone who's overweight or whatever Mm -hmm. and the parents response sometimes is stop yeah you know they're smiling stop that's not yeah. so it's that so in their is, way they're agreeing with the yes mm-hmm. yes it's like i'm i'm smiling because i'm approving of this although outwardly i'm telling you to stop because i feel like i should and so but that starts i mean i'm not all of our children do things that we've not taught them to do but we mm-hmm. doing the best that we can mm-hmm. to keep that language at bay is amazing and that you know that that goes into how society you know, language in society is important. Do you have some, some tips on, on that, you know, the way that we use language with each other, with people with disabilities? You know, it's, we have to, I mean, have any of us not had a bully in our life? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We've, we're all shaking our heads. Like we've all had Mm -hmm. a bully in our life. Right. So yeah. we all know how it feels. So why are we as human beings perpetuating this? I don't know. Right? Michelle, you're the you're the psychiatric nurse practitioner. Why are we perpetuating this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I advocate that we don't. Okay, good. <laughs> and Thank that you. 
I think unfortunately, like it, it is definitely something as you're saying that you still see today. I see a lot of children, yeah, and the amount of bullying that goes on, and just the horrifically cruel things, right? And the struggle of getting something done about that. Uh, so I think that the narrative has changed, but as far as like action steps, kind of, which is what's so important about what you're saying, you know, finding your voice. So I, th I think people are uncertain what action steps to take to stop that. Yeah. I think we have I mean, to be conscious of who we are. Right. Kids today, especially with social media, that makes it even harder than our generation. We didn't have to deal with a lot of that. Right. Well, I also think, and part of your, why your story is so amazing is you're saying you found your voice, you found the language, you found your voice. Mm -hmm. Because one of our cultural rules is silence equates agreement. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, right, so when we're going through life and nobody says anything, what's the message? Right. This is, this is okay. This is justifiable. Yeah. This is acceptable. This is, and now not only am I up against this bully, I'm up against everybody that sees it. It doesn't say anything. That's right. So the yeah. fact that you said that mm -hmm. is amazing. I mean, that's what needs to happen. I, I was shaking, but, Just, you know, I'll bet. Yeah. How, how has that then changed the way, because I'm assuming you still, do you still, was that the big thing about that too, was just like you said, you're, you're, you're carrying this baby that you just feel so blessed and amazed to have. And then someone does that, mm -hmm. but I know you probably still get questions or has it, how did that change? Like your future response to people? Did it change your path? Did it change your language? Like what happened after that? It, it absolutely did, you know. Um, some days I catch myself and I'm very gracious. It's how I'm approached, really. Society, I think, overall has gotten much better in the last 10, 15 years mm -hmm. of their approach. And I'm more than happy to take the time to young, old you know, give somebody a high five. There was a, gosh, about <laughs> two, three years ago, there was a young gentleman with either autism or Down syndrome or something in Boscov's. And I was buying a vacuum cleaner for one of my boys at college. And my prosthetic, my limb, um, has these beautiful covers, these fairing covers. And, um, oh yeah, and you're going yeah, I, I I have four of them, and I'm gonna do this weird thing and turn it around. But this one, oh god, <laughs> this one has oh, bronze like flowers that. and pink in it. So wow. this is one of my. I know I'm gonna turn my leg around. So it freaking me these, out there, Shelly. <laughs> I know. So um, I have four different covers, and the one was like blue and white and really techno colored, and um, he thought I was part robot. And his brother was like, oh, no, 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 just leave her alone, leave her alone. And I said, no, no, no. So I was talking to him. And I, I've worked with children on the autism spectrum before for a couple of summers. And he's like, are you a robot? I'm like, dude, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like a superhero, but you know, just between me and you, right? It's okay, dude. You're like, so he gave me a fist bump and he gave me a high five and he's Aww. he's running around circles. I'm like, just between you and me, okay? You got this? Like, just on the down low, okay? So I made his whole day. He wanted a selfie with me. Oh my God. It was- He won't forget that, right? I mean- awesome. I made his day, you know, and it was great. And his brother was just like, you're the awesome, you're best, you know? Um. So those moments kind of make up for the crusty old white guy that didn't know any better, you know, and that's okay. Well, how, Um, how you said it depends on the approach to like, what, what works for you? Like, how should people ask those questions or approach you or. uh, So sometimes people say, Hey, do you need help with anything? And sometimes I'll say, yeah, you know what? I really do. Thank you. And sometimes I'll say, um, no, you know what? I've got this, but thanks for asking. And that's okay, you know? And and then they'll just let me go about my day. Um, some people will say, what's wrong with you? And I'll be like, hmm, I don't know. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that is a very strange. <laughs> I would probably say many things. How long do you have? <laughs> right? And some people will say, they know, right? <laughs> what happened to you? And I'll very ungraciously you know, say, do I ask about your personal life? Do I want to know about your sex life? Do I ask how, how big certain body parts of you are? No. What? So don't, yeah. And I'll be like, do I ask about personal things about you? And they'll get indignant. I'm like, so why would you walk up to me in the middle of my day and ask about my personal life? And then they just walk off. I'm like, exactly, dude. And it's never women. It's never women. Right. It's never, it's never women that We're do so this. much better. Oh, did I say the, that it, one? <laughs> the most indignant ones. Yeah. You know, some people go cool leg. Be like, I know. Thanks. <laughs> and that's it. That's all it has to be. Um, I found that very helpful. I mean, because there are sometimes, honestly, when I'm in a store and I'll see someone, whether it's, you know, with a prosthetic or, in a wheelchair or sometimes I'm right. like, will they be offended if I ask if they need help? Do they want, you know what I mean? So no. if, if you helpful. saw an older person or you saw somebody that should have gotten a grocery cart and had way too many things in their hands and they were fumbling, would you ask them? No, you would not. No, I would. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, but conversely, so there's a, a podcast my husband was listening to a rant podcast from some guy and and he played it for me and it was it was really good it's 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 about people who write in about their rants and this woman was ranting about her service dog and it was a fairly recent rant and um and she was ranting about her service dog and how even now people with service dogs people will come up to them with their children and they will say very politely look he's in a, a professional harness is a service dog she's trying to protect me to make sure i don't have seizures she's working dog please don't pet her and then people will say well my kid just wants to pet her it's okay just let her let her just pet my let me just pet your dog and they get very indignant and then they start yelling their ableism comes out and they start yelling at the person with the disability when they're struggling with their mental health typically or with not to have a seizure because they're stressed and then it goes all wrong and mm-hmm. and that's and then they don't want to go out in public because society shows their ableism um, so 
Yeah. What needs to change then? I mean, are there specific things? Cause you're, t- there's, there's so much. Yeah. So no means no, as with everything in life, right? Okay. You need to check your ableism. You need to listen to the words people are telling you and respect mm-hmm. others. Right. Um, and y- boundaries. People set boundaries for themselves. You need to educate yourself. Education is everything. Yeah. People people are telling you things for a reason. So just close your mouth and open your ears a little bit. We live this life. You know, do I know everything about my wheelchair friends, my wheelchair user friends? No. Do I know everything about my friends with deafness or blindness and their disabilities? No. Heck, I don't even know about my friends that are missing their upper limbs. I'm missing my lower limb. Their strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But just because you've met one person with missing a limb, you've met one person missing a limb. We all have different variances, right? Yeah. So there's a million variances. So, and every one of us is different. So how, I mean, how can people educate themselves or or do better other than, because I know, you know, I, I've heard people sometimes with mental health and they've they don't know my history and they right. may say something that's offensive or make a joke. And sort of like you, I, I'm at a place where I don't get offended personally and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay to hear those things. It doesn't bother me. But then I think, what if someone is sitting in here who isn't at the same place, right. you know? And so I will speak up, but how can people do, do better at, like you said, educating and, being open and all of that. For me, yeah, those gentle reminders are important because you don't know where anybody is on their path to Mm -hmm. health and wellness. And I wasn't always there and I'm still not there. I'm still learning myself Mm -hmm. and I may not always get it right. And things are always changing. Our language in our community is changing as it does with the LBGTQ community, you know. I say to my friends, you know, they they come out and there's something there's something different a year later. And I say, okay, if you don't understand how you feel on the inside and, and how you present and your 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 language, how am I supposed to understand? Right. I'm like, oh you just go with it. I'm like, okay. So you 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 ask the preferences. How how do you see yourself? It's like first person language versus disability first language. Grace is like giving me the amen. So my friends on the autism spectrum usually prefer to use disability first. They usually decide that their autism is who they are. It's a part, a core of who they are. Really? For me, yes. Yes. And for me, in, in my world, I could take my prosthetic off. And it's just one part of who I am. Like you take off your glasses, you take out your dentures, you whatever. It's just one part of who I am. I'm a woman. I'm an advocate. I'm a wife. I'm a mother, right? I'm I'm a scholar. Right. I'm I'm much more than that. So you're person first. I'm person first, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be disability first. I went to Shriners Hospital my whole life. I was a disabled person that stood there in my underwear in a room full of doctors 
and explained myself over and over and over again for six months. First, I was that thing first. I'm done with that identity. I'm a person first. That's right. So education, respect, asking, and constantly learning. Mm -hmm. But they have to be willing to do any or all of those things. You know, I think, um, because I teach a mental health first aid class and some other things, a lot of things regarding mental health. And sometimes if I'm in a live class or in a webinar when I can see faces and I talk about person first language being things like, it's not really okay to say someone is bipolar you know, how about they live with bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and sometimes, and and it may be generational as well, because for example, mental health, just like disabilities, the, you know, it's changing, but, Mm -hmm. but people sometimes see it as being PC, you know, like, Oh, and so what I, what I say, and I don't know if this is what you would say, but it's like, if I could change my language just a little bit to keep from hurting someone, and to move forward a conversation, then why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I do that? Right. But it's, it's still got some time and it's people like you who are helping to change that. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. We, we all need to try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us what else you haven't, we've got just a, a couple of minutes left to be respectful of your time and everybody's. Sure. What have you not told us that you want us to know as we finish out our time together and, and our people who are listening or watching you? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the film, The Help. You guys oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite films. Um, so a bullying example. Great with Hilly. Remember Hilly? She, um, Albeline wrote, helped write the book. And one oh, yeah, of my yeah. favorite one of my favorite quotes near the end of the book was Hilly's Abilene says to Miss Hilly, ain't you tired, Miss Hilly? And it's just such a poignant moment in the book of, aren't you just tired of constantly just, Mm. just let go. Just, just let go. Be a better human being. It doesn't cost you anything to be kind. That's beautiful. So it's, the most important words that we tell ourselves, be kind to ourselves. You know, our our middle son just got a job and graduated college and he's off on his own in another state several hours away now. And I told him just the other day, be kind to yourself. Give yourself three, four months to get used to your new life. It's okay. You're going to fumble. You're going to figure this life out and you're going to make it what you want it to be. Give yourself words of love and self-care every day. Because yes. if you if you love yourself and you show yourself love and patience and kindness, you'll give it out to the world and then it'll go forward a little bit. That's such a beautiful message. And I love the fact that you are passing this on to your children and then they're going to pass it on. I think it's so beautiful. Um, Gracie, Michelle, do you all have any other questions or? I don't have a question. I just, I love the reminder and thank you for the reminder of really, this is about being the best people that we can be mm-hmm. and supporting those around us. And so be kind, be aware, learn, grow. That's, that's what we're wired to do. 
And so when we're doing this, it's not just for the person with the disability or whatever. It's it's for all of us. It's for the it's world. world. We're changing the world. We're yeah. changing the world, girls. That's right. That's right. And I think like you're saying, it doesn't take you any more effort to do that. And it benefits all of us. So, yeah. 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 Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And yeah. all the work you're doing is amazing and so needed. Thank you. Yeah. I had no idea after that meeting till she sent me all her stuff. And I was like, I mean, I, I printed out your website and, and highlighted the congenital hemipelvectomy. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just so thrilled that you shared and you'll send us some links or pictures or whatever you think would just, you know, help people just to kind of understand that a little bit better. I, I know that's not the whole point. Like we, what you've done for people today has been so helpful, but I think it's just to get to know you a little bit better. It, it's sure. just, it's intriguing. So, thank you. okay. Well then we, um, like we said, we promised that all of, um, Shelly's information will be in the show notes. And as always, we ask that you subscribe and download and like and comment on the show notes that you share with everyone to enjoy, to grow our little community. And Shelly, what we do at the end is very awkward and it never works out. But um, so I will say, and until we're together next time, and then we will all together say, consider yourself yourself hugged. Yes. Okay. So are you ready for this train wreck? Okay, here we go. And to, until we're together next time, consider yourself. Uh, that might be the best one we've ever done.